You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening. To you one and all, and welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. By the way, some of folks have asked about the opening of the show and the little things I say, so here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want to know why uh, hoodoo is my business, I suggest you go out and look up the late, great Professor Dr. Julius Son the Miller. Physics was his business. Well, folks, we are back. 
We did not have a show last week, of course, in preparation for the high holidays, etc., getting everything ready and all together. I hope you enjoyed uh, the repeat we played of uh, one of our classic, what we called them the Now You Know Show Classics. And so because of that, uh, this announcement that I'm about to make now is a week late. So bear with me. Ladies and gentlemen, it is October now, today, October the 13th, of 2016. That means that we have been doing the Now You Know show for two solid years. Two solid years, ladies and gentlemen, since way back in 2014. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of the listeners, all of you who listen in the archives, all of you who listen live, those of you who listen sometimes, those of you who listen every time, I got to say thank you so much. You are, you know, what keeps this thing going. Uh, knowing that you're there, knowing that we're doing something for people and that we're getting information and fun and games, and a little laughter, and some seriousness out to folks each and every week. But wait, I'm not done. Then I have to thank, I really do, folks. I really got to take a moment, and I really want you to hear this. This is not some, like, you know, cliched, lounge lizard, Hollywood cleanup thing. I, I really mean this. From my heart, I have to take a moment and thank Troll Towelhead, the Grand Mufti of Satanism, my pal, Nagashiva Ironwood, our chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network. This man, you have no idea, you have no idea how hard this man works, not only for the Now You Know show, but for each and every show here on the network each and every week, he is constantly doing this, that, and the other thing, helping new shows launch, helping people get training, helping uh, sound clips be made. We're going to have a new sound clip from him coming up later in the show. All sorts of things. And I just got to say, Troll, I couldn't do it without you. None of us could. Thank you so much. Then, of course, I want to thank the cast of characters, the merry band of ramblers, all of which appear on the show weekly. I want to thank Wink and Johnny, Phil Patchy Fogg. I want to thank Charlie Witherspoon, of course, our lovely Miss Loretta, and so many more Count Goulash, all of you cats, for being here with me. Of course, they're all me, you know. But anyway, thanks to them. And finally, but not last but not least, I want to thank our sponsors at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, where all the children are just exemplary, all the women are lovely, and all the men are strong. I want to thank all our sponsors so very much. Listen, folks, it wouldn't be here without the sponsor. That's the truth. None of it. The network would not exist without the sponsor, so tip of the hat. Thank you, Lucky Mojo for being with us, for standing by us, for getting our voices out there, whatever our voices may be, whether they're the voice of Afro-Caribbean 
magic and eclectic spirituality on the corner, whether they're the voice of uh, social justice and the fight for justice in the streets, whether they're the voice of the Crystal Silence League bringing help and prayers, whether they're the voice of the brand new voice of being fit and foxy and finding out how to do that and empower yourself, whether they're the voice of uh, witches and cauldrons and priestesses gathered together in pagan unity, and whether it's the voice of poetry and spoken word, amazing, amazing, amazing work, or just that weird old dude down in Texas with all his silly voices and all his silly music. Thank you, LMC, for being here with us, and we love you. All right, folks, now let's roll on into the show. So, first of all, thank you so much for all your kind wishes, lovely letters, and just 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 kindness that was expressed to me in the last 72 hours about Yom Kippur. Uh, thank you so very much. I did indeed have a relatively easy fast. Thank you for your concern. Um, I'm just going to say something. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to be a hard ass. I'm just saying, you know, the Now You Know show, right? So now you know. You do not wish people a happy Yom Kippur. It's, 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 not, it's not a happy thing. It's not a sad thing, but it's not a, it's, hey, the Day of Atonement. Nah. It's more like a good luck. You know what I'm saying? Like, good luck, pal. Uh, may you have an easy fast. Uh, may you, uh, may you, uh, you know, be sealed well on the book. May you come to find yourself. May you make redemption. May you find your own internal, uh, you know, uh, uh, peace. Uh, may you do all of that between you and your fellows and your friends and your family and your loved ones and, of course, God. Okay, but it's not so much a hooray, hey, yay, 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 it's Yom Kippur, we don't get to eat or drink and wear leather shoes and we don't get to bathe, hooray. Now, that being said, and to confuse the hell out of you, I will say that the sages teach us that Yom Kippur is alike to Purim, and Purim is the great happiness festival for us. It's the, the day we drink, we dress up, we candy and cakes and cookies, and we, you know, we dress in silly costumes, and, you know, it's kind of like uh, Jewish Mardi Gras a bit. And we drink, and we drink, and we drink. And the sages teach us that Yom Kippur is akin to Purim in that there is, there is joy. There is joy. We come to joy uh, in our redemption. We come to joy. Uh, in our atonement. So maybe it is happy Yom Kippur. Whatever. But God bless you and thank you all for such kind, kind wishes that were expressed to me and my family this year. All right. So now we've got all that out of the way. Next. Next. (laughs) Next, we will say this. Well... I've received some uh, letters and uh, some other things, uh, uh, comments about uh, the slacking off of wig burning 
of week snatching, of week snatching and hat burning here on the Now You Know Show. Well, see, you didn't need to worry and you didn't need to sweat it and you didn't need to fret it because, fellow babies, let me tell you something. Uh, tonight, wigs are going to be snatched. Hats are going to be burnt. We may even burn bridges. Um, this week, we will not be having a Divination and You segment. And, uh, in fact, we're coming to the end of our Divination and You segment. If you have uh, an idea, a desire, something that you would like to see as a new segment, we've already done our Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. We've done our Divination and You. If you would like to see a particularly new segment on the Now You Know show, please take the time to uh, write in. And you can write in to profporterfield at gmail.com and say, hey, we would like to see a segment on this every week. And we'll be taking those letters and looking at those letters. Speaking of letters, we've got some letters to read, uh, letters and messages and telegrams to read in light of last, a week before last spontification. So as you know, uh, throughout this part of the year here in our second big year, well, actually coming into our third year, um, we are going to be uh, doing pontifications based off of your letters. That's right. If you want to hear something in the pontification, if you want to have something answered in the pontification, write again to profporterfield at gmail.com and say, hey, I'd like to hear you. What do you think about etc.? And you, too, may be on the show. We've got a new one tonight we're going to get to later. But first, we've gotten some letters uh, from people about our pontification week before last about Judaism and hoodoo and Jesus and the place of Jesus in hoodoo, etc. So uh, we're just going to get to those very quickly. Uh, let's see. Amaranth, Amaranth uh, writes to us and says, thank you so much for the pontification on Jesus, Judaism, and hoodoo. I found it very enlightening as someone who was raised Christian and is now uh, a pagan, uh, this was well outside of the scope of my knowledge, and I found your talk not only illuminating, but humorous and insightful. Well, thank you, Amaranth. That was very kind of you, darling. Thank you very much. Thank you for your lovely letter. Brian writes to us and says, wow, what a show. Uh, was not expecting that. The pontification went on longer than usual and was worth every minute of it. You have given us a lot to consider in our blended household, which is Christian and Jewish, about the subject. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Brian. You're very welcome. Okay. Son's son. This is uh, the uh, S-U-N, son. So this is the son of the son, the, the child of the son. And this taking that from the, uh, uh, some of the information sent with them because uh, they basically uh, sent us an uh, anonymous letter. But we're not going to go with that. We're not going to go with that. So son's son writes to us and says, How typical to once again hear the lies of Jews trying to exploit black people and their traditions. How often has this happened? We all know you all was behind all of the slave trade 
and that you are nothing but vile parasites. Well, okay, son, son, uh, that's your opinion. And from the other side of the aisle, from the other side of the aisle of the exact same room, we have a message here from Clan Warrior. And Clan Warrior wrote us to say, well, I'm just going to sum this up. I'm not going to actually give Clan Warrior a readout. We're just going to sum this up. Uh, Clan Warrior uh, wanted me to know that I was a race trader and that I had defiled my wife and ruined her as a good white Christian woman and that people like me were going to get ours. So there you go. Maybe we can have some sort of tete-a-tete between Clan Warrior and uh, Son's uh, son's son, and they can work it out because apparently they agree on one thing. Jews suck. So there you go, folks. That's our woo, woo. That's our that's our letters. Did you think I wasn't gonna read them all? It would be easy, folks, for me to just come in here and play pretend like it's all fantastic and the world is full of wonder and peace, but it's not. And so there you go. Uh, but in light of that, uh, let's get right down to the wig snatching and the hat burning shall we i think we're all ready for it well let me tell you something kids a lot of times as a broadcaster you try to be you try to be reasonable you want to take a professional journalistic attitude and you try not to sway people you try to present things as they are you try to have some integrity in what you say. And then there come days when a man, a woman, a person, a human, simply cannot keep their mouth shut. And today is one of those days. And I got a list of things I can't keep my mouth shut about before we go on to the rest of the show. So let's start it off in no particular order. First of all, Good old Professor Porterfield wants to have a little call out to the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. You probably know them as UNESCO. That's right, good old UNESCO. Well, good old UNESCO today had a vote. And UNESCO had a a vote about a, what they felt was an educational, scientific, and cultural issue. And in this vote, UNESCO has exhibited themselves, has placed themselves, has stood up to be, without question, nothing but a bunch of anti-Semitic fucks. That's right, anti-Semitic fucks. And you're going to hear me say it, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it from the highest rooftop. Because they voted today that Jerusalem and the Temple Mount and the Wailing Wall have no historic connection to Judaism and Jews. Now, let me say that to you again. They did not talk about Israel. This is not an Israeli issue. Do not bring up to me anything about Israel because they did not say Israel. They said in their statement Judaism and Jews. Judaism and Jews have nothing historically to do with Jerusalem 
the Temple Mount, or the Wailing Wall. And that in fact, these sites, the Wailing Wall, is not a Jewish site and does not have a relationship to the Jewish people. Well, I guess somebody should go and tell the Romans. So if you get a chance to go by the Arch of Titus, just take a moment to whisper to the spirit of Titus that all that shitty stealing, apparently he's stealing from somebody the fuck else. Up next, and on a similar vein, your friend and mine, DJ Trump today gave a frightening, terrifying speech. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. He's crossed the line, ladies and gentlemen. He's gone across. He's gone across. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Well, maybe he always knew what he was doing. But today, in a speech, he said that international bankers, international bankers are trying to sway the election. He's saying that corrupt global establishments are involved in making sure he won't be he won't be president. And more than a few people have heard the dog whistle throughout the entirety of this speech uh, and what he's saying. And let me just tell you, my ears pricked. I heard you, Donnie. So, you know, Kishimi Yiddishatukas, Donald, you are out of control. You are a blight on the land. You make it a shadow to fall upon the fields. You, sir, are a curse. And I now publicly curse you. You have defamed everyone you could defame. You have attempted to use power and money to harm, to assault, to bully, to scare, to rape. And I now publicly defame you. I publicly speak against you. Hear now my curse against you. Let no things good pass through your hands. Let no blessings fall upon your head. Let you be bereft of safety. Let you be bereft of comfort. Until you mend your ways. This I speak now before the host of my people and before my Lord and God. Amen. Like I said, there's going to be some wig snatching and some hat burning tonight. But before we get to that, let's all go on over to the newsroom. Where we have our news this evening, brought to us by our own Chet Hutley. Chet, take it away. Good evening. This is Chet Hutley reading the news. Today is Thursday. 
October 13th, the 287th day of 2016. There are 69 days until winter begins and 79 days left in the year. The 14th and 15th will be auspicious days to bake, cut firewood, mow to increase growth, dig holes, and kill plant pests. The 14th and 15th are also considered barren days, during which one should do no planting. Finally, the 14th and 15th will be fair days for morning fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1792, when the cornerstone of the executive mansion, later to be known as the White House, was laid during a ceremony in the District of Columbia. Also on this date, in A.D. 54, Roman Emperor Claudius I died, apparently poisoned at the behest of his wife, Agrippinea. In 1775, the United States Navy had its origins as the Continental Congress ordered the construction of a naval fleet. In 1843, the Jewish organization B'nai B'rith was founded in New York City. In 1932, President Herbert Hoover and Chief Justice Charles Evans Hughes laid the cornerstone for the U.S. Supreme Court building in Washington, a popular day, October 13th, for the laying of cornerstones. In 1957, CBS television broadcast The Etzel Show, a one-hour live special starring Bing Crosby designed to promote the new but ill-fated Ford automobile. It was the first special to use videotape technology to delay the broadcast to the West Coast. In 1962, Edward Albee's four-character drama, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, opened on Broadway. In 1972, a Uruguayan chartered flight carrying 45 people crashed in the Andes. Survivors resorted to feeding off of the remains of some of the dead in order to stay alive until they were rescued more than two months later. In 1981, voters in Egypt participated in a referendum to elect Vice President Hosni Mubarak, the new president, one week after the assassination of Anwar Sadat. In 1999, the Senate rejected the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, with 48 senators voting in favor and 51 against, far short of the 67 needed for ratification. And finally, in 2010, rescuers in Chile, using a missile-like escape capsule, pulled 33 men, one by one, to fresh air and freedom, 69 days after they were trapped in a collapsed mine a full half mile underground. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to gospel singer Shirley Caesar, who is 79 today. Actress Melinda Dillon is 77. The singer-musician Paul Simon is 75. Actress Pamela Tiffin is 74. Musician Robert Lamb of Chicago, 72. Actor Demond Wilson, 70. Singer-musician Sammy Hagar, 69. Actor John Lone, 64. 
singer Marie Osmond, 57, and rhythm and blues singers Brian and Brandon Casey of Jagged Edge are both 41 today. Our thought for the day comes to us from Franz Kafka, writer, born 1883, died 1924, who said, quote, there are some things one can only achieve by a deliberate leap in the opposite direction. One has to go abroad in order to find the home one has lost. This has been the news read by Chet Hutley for the LMC Network, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trunk in goo for dust. Cause you know some may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that's easy in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not just trust in goo for dust like the Nicholas Brothers, because we have the lucky numbers for you here each and every week, courtesy of ProfessorPorterfield.com. And here they are. 15, 18, 32, 37, 40, and 45. Once again, those lucky numbers are 15, 18, 32, 37, 40, and 45. And I have to tell you, folks, they are particularly hot. Do not miss out on those numbers. Three-digit numbers are 118. That's 118. 379. That's 379. And 7. Four, five. That's 745. And I've got to tell you, I have got a very, very good feeling about 745 right now. So take a look at it. The card of the week. Oh, ho, ho. And doesn't this fit with everything else that's going on? The card of the week is the Joker. Look out, the devil is about. This week's influences will be hidden and obscured. Strange and unexpected occurrences may befall this week. Wild energies begin to run loose. Plan now. Put things in order and minimize that which can go wrong to go through the next seven days smoothly. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and card when it first comes out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, the darling of the Now You Know show, our own Miss Loretta, now 
Mrs. Loretta Newman with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Miss Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. All the girls around her say she's got it coming, but she gets it while she can. Best 
when you have made a corned beef the night before and you have some corned beef left over. That's where you want to get your corned beef from. And then finally, one-fourth of a cup of Thousand Island dressing. Now, to make this in a slow cooker, you will combine the sauerkraut, cream cheese, Swiss cheese, corned beef, and Thousand Island dressing. Then, after you have done that, you will cover and cook on high, the high setting for your crock pot, for 45 minutes if you're in a hurry. However, you can set it on low for longer if you're not or just until it's hot and the cheese is melted. So you can both use this as a sudden, like, I need to have this done, the party's about to start, the game's about to come on, people are about to be here, or you can set this aside and have it to be cooking on your countertop, getting ready for it. Once the cheese is all melted and it's come up to heat, it's ready. You want to stir it occasionally while it's cooking. And then you want to serve this with a cocktail rye or crackers or even some little pieces of toasted pumpernickel. And it is absolutely delicious. It's very easy, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I and my husband do. So thanks so much. Have fun in your kitchens. And now we turn you back over to Professor Porterfield and the pontification. Thank you, Miss Loretta. Wow, that that sounds great. I mean, that's, you know, I was kind of going slow cooker Reuben dip. I was like, oh, I'm not too sure about this. And then I heard it, and that sounds that sounds fantastic. Well, before we go it, before we go to the pontification, we have to give a little shout out. And all of us here at the Now You Know Show who enjoy and play his music so very much want to take a moment to salute Mr. Zimmerman. Yes, we want to salute Bob Dylan today. One a Nobel Peace Prize for Literature in honor of his poetic style and work. He is now a poet laureate. Congratulations, Mr. Dillon. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week, what do you do? How do you do it? What happens when the neighbors are watching? What happens when mom and dad are watching? What happens when you have to do things in private? How do you still see to it that you can take care of it. Well, don't worry. Just remember, it's your thing. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. Thank you. 
Oh, yes, and that was, of course, It's Your Thing, Do What You Want to Do, by the Isley Brothers. And the corner piece with the two nice crispy sides of the brownie goes out to our own Catherine Ironwood. You got it right. I am afraid, troll, no, it was not the very famous Chinese funk group, Earth, Water, Metal, Fire, and Wood. Anyway, (laughs) that leads us into tonight's pontification. And tonight's pontification comes to us courtesy of Dennis. And Dennis writes to us and says, Dear Professor, last week's pontification was outstanding as usual, but stirred up an additional question for me. I greatly appreciate the fact that you have found a happy balance between your faith and your practice. For many who practice any variety of magic, it sometimes means keeping each foot on a different path. You eloquently made a connection between hoodoo and Judaism during the episode. But what happens when one cannot find that balance? I was personally raised devout Pentecostal, and the very idea of any kind of magic, divination, or spell work would get me run right out of the congregation. My folks were very conservative and often followed, quote, to the letter, unquote, whatever was passed down from the pulpit, forgetting the fact that Appalachian folk magic was regularly practiced only a generation or two ago by the very people who raised them. I frequently encounter people who see root workers as somewhere between kooks and cosplayers, creating a further need to keep my light under a bushel, as it were. As a follow-up, To your last presentation, I was wondering if you had advice for those of us who have to work in private, whether it is for personal or professional reasons. As always, keep up the good fight, and we'll be listening. Regards, Dennis. Thank you so much for your letter, Dennis. And, baby, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to answer your letter right here, right now. That's right, Dennis. You're the pontification. For this week, somebody let Dennis know in case he ain't listening. He needs to tune in. This is and remains a particularly kind of hot topic. Now, before I get into this too much, I'm going to say something a little controversial. And I hope you will all forgive me for putting this quite this way. But honestly see it this way. My experience is, again, I'm not stating this as a fact. I'm simply saying this from my experience. From my experience and in my opinion, this particular issue, and I am not saying this to dismiss it. It is a real issue. But this particular issue is more of an issue for white people than it is an issue for black people. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Often in hoodoo, when we are talking about hoodoo, when we're talking about conjure, when we're talking about root work, when we're talking about that stuff, what we forget is that however it is regarded, good, bad, indifferent, spookism, a bunch of fakery, whatever, hoodoo, conjure, root work, that stuff is normative within the African-American experience, all right? It's there. It's something that you don't have to scratch too hard to find 
grandma, grandpa, uncle, auntie, great grandmama, big mama, whoever that did that. Okay. Uh, And so this issue of breaking the mold, going against the grain, doing this thing that my parents, my grandparents, my immediate family, my church, and my boss uh, or my economic community uh, would punish me in some way or ridicule me or ostracize me in some way. In general, in general, is more of an issue inside the white community than it is an issue inside the black community and an issue in the greater community of people of color. Now, that is not to dismiss the problem. That is not to dismiss the issue. I'm not saying, oh, it's a white thing, go fucking deal. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? What I'm saying is, once again, let's all say it together, children. You joined Hoodoo. Hoodoo didn't join you. Okay? So it does sometimes become a cost, if you will, of practicing this. There are other costs as well. Sometimes you will find that you are, no matter how respectful, no matter how decent, no matter how honest, no matter how ethical, that there are people of color who also will be against you because of this practice. But let's stick to the issue rather than going off onto all these side roads. What do you do? Well, first of all, what you have to understand Let's talk about this first from the position of a practitioner rather than a professional root worker, okay? Let's talk about this from the idea that you're just an individual doing hoodoo root work conjure for yourself, for your family, for you and your, you and your spouse, you and your kids, etc., okay? Let's talk about it from that perspective first of all. The I, we have a, a thing that's going on that's kind of counterintuitive, and that is that right now we have a lot of people who post a lot of pictures up on Facebook as one example, on Twitter as another example, all up in social media. They are very, 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 very public about the fact that they are doing this little piece or that bit or this work in Hoodoo Root Work and Conjure. And that is not exactly normative. That is not exactly within the common framework of hoodoo. I would not say the opposite is true. I would not, and nor do I support the people that kind of come on the scene and want to tell you that all hoodoo was super-ass secret and it was semi-initiatory and it all took place at midnight in some cave. That's bullshit. No. Uh, But it was somewhat private. It's It's no more or less private than the way people traditionally traditionally used to feel about politics, religion, and their economics. I grew up in a time when if you said to someone as part of a survey, how much do you make a year? You know, we're taking the survey, okay, and uh, where do you live, and what do you do, and what's your uh, educational uh, level, and uh, have you eaten Oscar Mayer hot dogs in the last three weeks, and have you used any Oscar Mayer uh, products in the last uh, six weeks, and how often do you buy Oscar Mayer products, and by the way, 
How much do you, what's your annual income? People's roughs would go up, okay? I mean, huh, shoulder go up, rough go, you know, people got not, were not at all happy being asked how much money they made a year. And to develop some sort of uh, misconstruction on that, that was poor people, middle-class people, and quote-unquote upper-class people, rich people, who all felt the same way, meaning it did not matter how much money you made. No one liked being asked that question, okay? In general, polite dinner conversation did not include politics and religion. I was raised by my grandparents to believe that one simply did not discuss politics and religion, you know, at a like the cocktail party, the, the, the church gathering, the wherever. That was rude, okay? You didn't discuss that. You didn't discuss how much money you made. You didn't discuss religion. You didn't discuss politics, okay? And it was not out of a sense of shame. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? People who were, let's say, Democrats, were not ashamed of the fact that they were Democrats. My yellow dog, my yellow dog Democrats were not afraid of the fact that they were Democrats. Okay? They were fierce, but it still wasn't discussed. It's not polite conversation. It's not, it's not that the topic is rude, meaning that that you are a Democrat is rude. It's that it is private. It is personal. Okay? I've never known a Baptist who was ashamed of the fact that they were a Baptist. All right? But it wasn't something you brought up. It wasn't that people were ashamed that they made $5,000, dollars $100,000 a year that was the issue. It was that the question was none of your business. Now, why do I bring that up? Because this is somewhat in this is what I'm trying to guide you to, the window, so you can look out and see the part of the yard that I'm looking at, okay? This is part and parcel of the world in which hoodoo was done. I know you're doing it. You know I know you're doing it. You know I'm doing it. But we're not necessarily having a conversation about it, all right? So please don't mistake what I'm saying to suggest that it was a secretive practice. I'm not saying secretive. I'm saying private. It was a private practice. Because just like that issue about politics, that issue about your annual income, it ain't anybody's damn business. Okay? It wasn't anybody's damn business. This is part of where the ethic of the worker having the same fierce confidentiality about their clients that medical doctors and lawyers have arises out of. It's none of your damn business. The worker could not continue to have clients if they were going to go around and discuss their clients inside their community. In other words, when you went to the worker, you were assured of privacy. Not secrecy, privacy, okay? Therefore, when you went home to do whatever it is you needed to do, okay, when you went home 
to do whatever it was you needed to do. You did so in privacy. And of course you did. You aren't taking a spiritual bath in public, right? You weren't taking your bath in public. Even before there were built-on bathrooms and people were bathing in tubs, you were still bathing in the kitchen. You might have been bathing outside in the backyard, all right, during appropriate, like the summer months when it's nice and hot. But you weren't bathing in the front yard. You weren't bathing in the street, okay? You were still engaging in privacy. Your spiritual bath is your business, all right? The other thing is that part of the practice of hoodoo was normative to the practice of life. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you here? Let me follow me along. In other words, how do I know the candle you're burning, you're burning for quote-unquote spell work. don't really like that term, but there it is, that you're burning that candle for spell work and you're not burning that candle to light your house. You see what I'm trying to say to you? How do I know that when you're putting down something on the floor and then sweeping it up to cleanse the floor, you're engaging in hoodoo and not just sweeping and cleaning the floor? And it's part of a cleaning process, a cleaning product. Okay? This is part of the detachment, the disconnect that we now have in hoodoo. We now have people in hoodoo who don't know how to thread a needle, who don't know how to bake a loaf of bread, who don't know how to clean a pot. Okay, I'm not saying that they're stupid. I'm saying they're ignorant. Please understand the difference between those two. It is an important distinction. Ignorance is I have not been exposed. I, I just don't have that knowledge. Take myself, for example. I am incredibly ignorant about chemistry. I really just do not have a lot of chemistry knowledge, okay? Uh, last time I checked, I thought a mole was something you got on your skin, okay? I just don't know a lot about chemistry. Now, that makes me ignorant of chemistry. That is not an insult. It's a truth. If you were to say I was stupid, I would be insulted. I am not stupid. I am actually fairly bright. But... These people who are attempting to practice hoodoo, who don't know how to thread a needle, who don't know how to bake a loaf of bread, who don't know how to cook for themselves so they can doctor that food, who don't, you know, uh, everything comes prepackaged so they're not adding sugar to their coffee so that the, you can dress the sugar, who don't know how to clean a house or clean a floor or clean a room in a particular manner with a mop, with a bucket, with a broom on their knees, with a scrub brush. They are not necessarily stupid. They are ignorant. Their life has not required that of them. So this disconnect starts coming in, and suddenly all of these things seem somewhat exotic. All right? Oh, it's, uh, you know, I had to go and find this ammonia. I had never bought ammonia before to clean the floor. How exotic. What an exotic what a, what a very, very, very exotic thing in this spirituality. That must be something that these people, quote-unquote, do. And no, it's not. It's goddamn ammonia. Clean with fucking ammonia. All right? It's not exotic at all. In fact, it's, it's the exact opposite of freaking exotic. Okay? You may have, you may see it 
You may see it as exotic because your life, whether it involves your race, your class, your economic standing, or just the change in normative products, the change in normative products may have made it. So to you, good old-fashioned goddamn ammonia seems exotic, but it's not exotic. It's fucking ammonia, and it's been used to clean, to soften in, in, in leather-working products, etc., since all the way back to fucking Babylon. Okay? It's not freaking exotic. The same thing happens with other things. The burning of a candle, the setting of a lamp. Okay? Now everybody goes, oh, a lamp, conjure lamp, because everybody would know that, oh, I'm doing something because it's weird and exotic. Although the lamp is beautiful, it's exotic and strange. Sure, I get that. We live in the 21st century. Having a lamp burning in your house is kind of, a, you know, a, a nonplus. All right. But it, it's not in terms of those people who first started doing this work who need, lead, needed goddamn lamps for light. Okay. For, your sun goes down. When the sun goes down, you got a couple of choices. You make light. You go to bed. Those are your damn choices. All right? You don't, you don't crawl around in the fucking dark not knowing what the hell's going on. All right? So, now where is he going with this, folks? Where is he going with this? Where I'm going with this is I'm saying that part of the privacy of personal practice is and always has been making that work look like it's nothing special. Now, a lot of people get real hepped up, and I hear them say this all the time. Uh, can I have a workspace or can I have an altar in my bedroom? That seems wrong, they say. Or, oh, I couldn't have that in my bedroom. I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I couldn't have an altar or a workspace in my bedroom. That's wrong. That's not normative. That's weird. Well, guess what, baby? That's the way it used to be done. Because the top of that dresser drawer, the top of that chiffero, the top of that uh, 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 settee, that whatever, you know, with the mirror and you got all your little drawer, the top of that dresser, whatever it was, was an open, clear space in a time and a place where space was at a premium, okay? So, of course, people had – this is an opinion. This isn't an opinion. Earlier, I said the thing about, you know, it's been my experience that uh, this happens more to whites than to, 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 to black people, and that's, that's kind of an opinion because I can't verify it as an absolute fact. This, what I'm saying to you right now, is fact. It is a fact. An undeniable fact. I can show you freaking photographs. I can show you written stuff about it. This is fact, that people had workspace slash altars in their damn bedrooms, on their vanities, their chiffre robes, their chest of drawers, etc. Okay? So can you. Now, that's, again, part of making this look normal. All right. I need this privacy. See, what we're really talking about here is privacy. We're talking about being allowed to do your work for yourself 
without bringing about the judgment of others. And Dennis, I am particularly speaking to Dennis tonight. Dennis, I want you to think about all the things that are done in hoodoo, and I want you to compare them to privacy versus how maybe some people are doing it nowadays. I see people nowadays wearing mojo bags around their necks, around their necks on short leads, meaning the lead that the mojo bag is on is no bigger than uh, a, a normal necklace. Okay, They've got the mojo bag out of their shirt or it's falling at the opening of their shirt where the shirt cuts open because of how it buttons, and everybody can see them wearing that mojo bag. Now, some of those people are professional workers, and I'm sure as a professional worker they're doing that to some degree, not completely, but to some degree as a statement, as a physical thing. Here I am. Perceive me. I am a worker. All right? But what I'm telling you is that ain't normal. That ain't normal. You keep the mojo bag hid. In other words, I need privacy from my community, my employer, my family. Well, why would any of those three groups be going through your drawers and checking what you've got pinned to your goddamn drawers with a safety pin? They're going through your underwear, okay? No, your boss ain't going to go through your underwear, okay? Hopefully, your mom and dad ain't going through your underwear, you know? Or if you live with your cousins, your cousins ain't going through your underwear. Hopefully, you're unclipping the safety uh, pin with the mojo before you're putting your, your dirty drawers in the, in the, the laundry to hamper to be done, okay? Otherwise, you're going to mess up your mojo, all right? Uh, and members of your community, you know, little lady lives across the street, pastor at church, sure as hell don't have no business. Oh, pastor has no business with his hands in your drawers or in your panties. Okay? No business. Let us not make America grope again. All right? We, got, we already got too much grabbing and groping of people's genitals going on right now to add any goddamn pastors to the fucking list. All right? Let's not be grabbing that. All right? Underwear. It's in your bra. It's under your shirt. It's in your pocket. Maybe it's in your left front pocket. Maybe it's in your right front pocket. Maybe it's in your back pocket with your wallet. Depends, again, what it's being worked for. Something is in your shoe, your left shoe, your right shoe, both shoes, etc. <coughs> Something's in the inside band of your hat. Not the outside band, the inside band of your hat. This is private. People have no business getting up on you about that. All right? Because they shouldn't be seeing it to begin with. Well, but if I have to lay powders, then someone's going to see me laying powders. Then you're laying powders wrong. No offense to you, then you're laying powders wrong. People ain't supposed to be seeing you lay powders, okay? To fucking begin with, people ain't supposed to be seeing you lay powders. The only time somebody's supposed to be seeing you lay powders is when you're staring at them. The, the, that, old, that old pain in the ass that lives across the street who you know has been doing work to you, and you're out there laying powders, salt, what have you, and you're staring right at them going, I know what you're up to, motherfucker. I know, and see, look, look at me out here doing this. You know I know. That's a war, okay? 
generally, people are not supposed to be seeing you laying goddamn powders. So if you're worried about people seeing you laying powders, then you're laying powders wrong. Well, what if they see me picking up a, you know, what if somebody catches me uh, picking up a, a, a footprint out of the dirt, you know, with a spatula or whatever? I'm picking up a footprint. What if somebody catches me? You should be worried about that anyway. That doesn't have to do – wait, let, whoa, how confused did you get here? Back up. Back back this bus up. Back this up, bus up. Way, 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 way back up this bus. This shouldn't have been seeing you do it anyway. You should have always been concerned about getting caught doing that. Okay? Sometimes, yes, you're gathering a footprint for something positive. You're trying to bring somebody back home. You don't want them to wander. You want them to be safe. But a lot of times, you're getting ready to do some shit. Okay? So you should have been concerned about people seeing you do that anyway. There is not some sort of wonderful, you know, like a uh, place, uh, you know, perhaps in California or Seattle where like we have a big hoodoo symposium where like it's just a hoodoo community. And, you know, we all just get together and like if you see somebody on the street with a spatula, you know, picking up a, a footprint out of the dirt because we got rid of all the sidewalks so there'd be more footprints. Man, that's just a part of the beautiful practice that no, that's bullshit. No, you was always supposed to be doing that clandestinely. You were always supposed to be doing that on the goddamn sly. All right? So the thing, again, I'm trying to say about this issue is that hoodoo is generally, generally, not exclusively, generally done in private as a part of a private practice, a private activity. So keep it that way. That's the first way you, quote unquote, protect yourself from the rigors and uh, you know, accusations, the slings and arrows of all those outside people is you practice privately. You said something that was very kind here. You said uh, that, uh, uh, that you appreciated the fact that I had found a happy balance between my faith and my practice. You're right, I have. That's an internal event, not an external event. That's to me. Do you think that I am so crazy that, I mean, I know, you know, Professor Porphy's on here, he does weird voices and he, you know, burns hats and shit. He's kind of like, wah! Okay. Do you think I'm so nutty that I think that uh, any Haradim Jew in the world cool what I was doing? No, of course not. Now, I know a few Hasidim that maybe, eh, you know, depends exactly what I was doing. Maybe they're, you know, a bunch of fucking freaked out mystics anyway. All right. Look, let me give it to you straight. There are a big old passel of reformed Jews in America who wouldn't give a shit what I was doing, but they would think I was a superstitious moron. Okay. They're like, ah, God, come on, you know, man, read a fucking book. Grow, grow the fuck up. All right. They'd be cool with it. Like, that's my practice, and if he wants to do it, that's cool. Who are we to judge? But they would think I was a little anti-intellectual, perhaps. They might think I was a little superstitious. You know, that old – I hate that word. You know, like that. There are a bunch of conservative Jews who would be going, I, I don't even get – what? why? What? Huh? Well, I've got time for this. i got to get to work. Okay? There would be a bunch of Orthodox Jews who would be like, oh, it's Asha. It's Asha. 
oh, it's Asha, why are you doing this? No, 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 no. And then there'd be a bunch of Jews from, you know, potentially any of those streams of Judaism who would just be like, hey, it's cool. It's no big deal. You know, it'd be no big deal. But don't mistake that because I have found a balance, that that means that balance works for everyone in my, in my religious community. Of course it doesn't, nor will it ever. And the reason is because no matter what religious community you're involved with, there's always going to be some stiff-necked, glue-sniffing asshole off in a corner who thinks we're not doing things quite orthodox enough yet. I don't care if you're Protestant. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're a Jew. I don't care if you're Islamic. I don't care if you're a Buddhist. I don't care if you're involved in Shinto. It does not fucking matter. There's always some stiff-necked asshole off in a corner going, well, this needs to be more literal, and we need to kill people who don't agree with us. And there's that, that asshole's always there. That asshole's always there, okay? No matter what, no matter what religious or spiritual uh, discipline you're involved with. So next, let's talk about this in terms of a matter of risk assessment. All right? Obviously, in life, we have to engage in some risk assessment. Okay? No, I don't like it when somebody calls me a kike. I don't like it. And yes, I have fought because I'm a Texas Jew. You know, we're not quite uh, as anxious as some other Jews, uh, you know, and I fought about it. And I've punched men in the mouth who have called me a kike. In fact, one not too long ago. But if there's 10 guys and they've all got shaved heads, they're all big old boys wearing suspenders and hobnail boots, and they say, hey, fucking kike. Uh, I find the way the fuck away from them. I don't wander into that group of ten boys going, you know, fuck it, let's let 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 let's do this, you know, like it's fucking you know gunfight at the OK Corral because my ass will end up uh, in the morgue. Okay, that's just the way that is. So there is a certain amount of risk assessment. You do have to say to yourself, what is what is the impact that can fall upon me. From my community, my family, my job, etc. We all got to work. We all got to make money. It would be great if bosses followed federal fucking law and didn't fire us because of our race, our sexual orientation, our religious practice. But, uh-oh, that's not the world we live in. So, you have a legitimate set of fears, not not saying you're afraid, but you have a legitimate set of concerns here in the letter, Dennis. You have to say, what's the ramifications? In other words, what can I get away with and what can I not get away with? Now, that's a shitty way to live. I'm going to be honest with you. I would suggest to you that it's far better to find yourself a new community, etc. But, you know, we don't all have that benefit. And some of us don't all have the desire to truly leave our community, even though our community is not necessarily embracing of our magical practice, all right? Uh, but that being said, there are a lot of gay people in California for a goddamn reason. Do you dig what I'm saying to you? It's not the water. 
Okay, it's not like oh, more people are born gay in California. No, no, more people at a certain point in time, very recently in this country's history, who were gay, picked the fuck up everything up, lock, stock, and barrel. Okay, and California are bust and moved to California because they could move to places in California where they were more accepted and they could live their lives more openly, but. It should not be the expectation that everybody can, will, or desires to do that. So you do have to look at your community, your family, etc., and say, what can I get away with? What, what, can I, what can I do that's not going to put me in harm, that's not going to take shit away from me? Okay. And if the answer is zilch, nothing – these people are not willing to give an inch. There's literally nothing. Like if they if they came in and I was burning a a a, a uh, cookies and Jello scented candle from Yankee Candle, they would they would freak out. Then you need to probably back up and and think about that gay California thing. You know what I'm saying? Seriously, there is a line. There is a line where it's simply unacceptable to be forced into a pattern of life that is not your own, to have to live a lie, okay? On the other hand, if, if what you're saying is, uh, well, you know, I know that if, like, you know, I stood in the middle of the, you know, Aunt Matilda's parlor and, and dusted myself down with a, a black chicken feather or rooster feather whisk, uh, the family would freak out. Fair enough. Fair the fuck enough. They're probably going to freak out. How about we not do that? How about you do that in your bathroom where no one can see, okay? But there is an importance here. There is an importance here to make a separation and a delineation between privacy and secrecy. I encourage everyone to have, gauge, and to enjoy the right of privacy. By all means, but I equally heartfeltly say to everyone who must live in secrecy, maybe you need to get the fuck out of there. Maybe you need to get the fuck out of there. All right? Because one of the worst things you can ever do to another person is to make them a liar. This is 100% true. Hear me out for a minute. One of the most horrible acts, and this, I think, is relative to what we're talking about earlier with Trump, with UNESCO, etc. When you force people to become liars, they must lie to survive. You are a goddamn monster. You're a monster. You're making people have to lie. Now, again, I'm not talking about criminality here. I'm not talking about criminality. I'm talking, nor am I talking about some sort of bullshit fucking discussion, some sort of hyperbolic intellectual deep breathing exercises where someone says, well, uh, homosexuality was against the law. Well, maybe practicing your evil pagan magic should be against the law. Kishamir Yiddishatukas. I'm not talking to your... Get out of here! Get out of here! 
I'm talking about taking people who are doing something, okay, and making them have to lie, have to lie that they're not gay, have to lie that they're not a member of your religion, have to lie that they are not a member of their ethnic group, have to lie about their class, about their money, have to lie about something. Otherwise, they suffer punishment. They suffer. That is terrible, and that is horrible. And so if you are in a place where it is secrecy, not privacy, then I encourage you, maybe you need to sit down and start saving those twos and fews, those pennies and those nickels, to finding a way to taking yourself and those who truly love you away from the secrecy. Because the enforcement of secrecy is the beginning of the enforcement of a cult. Whether it's a cult of personality or a religious cult or a political cult, it is the beginning of the enforcement of a cult. Now, once again, go and try for privacy. Privacy should be able to be obtained. And if people do not allow you privacy, then you have to start questioning that. How much respect do they have for you? And how much privacy do they expect from you? See, again, it gets a little cultic where we all have to say everything. You know, we're going to we're all we all have to come in and sit down with the e-meter and reveal everything that goes on to make sure that we're clear, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, no. Again, it's getting into destructive things. Now, quickly now talk about the practitioner, meaning the worker over the private practitioner. Now we're talking about the public practitioner. How does the public practitioner attain this? How does the public practitioner find a, a, a balance where they are living inside a community that scorns them, that will be against them, that may even be harmful for them, and yet can practice their, their, their work, their spiritual work? Well, I'm going to be goddamn honest with you. I have no fucking clue. I mean, I have no clue. I really don't know what to tell you. Get the hell out of there. That's all I can tell you. Don't, 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 first of all, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, listen, you know, if, if I thought tomorrow that me being a hoodoo, uh, a worker meant that in the next three days, they were going to be burning a cross on my yard and throwing Molotov cocktails through my windows, uh, I would get the fuck out of my town. I would, uh, you know, whatever had to be done. Cause I live amongst crazy people. Are you kidding me? They would be insane. I got to get away from that shit. All right. I'm not sure how a public practitioner does that. A public practitioner must have some level of acceptance uh, 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 of, of at least a wink and a nod from their community. They are acting on the behalf of the community in a sideline route. This is why I still say that all practitioners, all magical practitioners uh, operate inside the sporting life. That that I stand by that. That they they operate inside the sporting life just like the prostitute, just like the drug seller, the bootlegger, just like the gambler, the person who offers you a place to come gambling, the bookie, etc. Not that there is criminality here, but instead they exist in that, God forgive me that I said the word, they exist in that liminal position, that 
that culturally liminal position where they're not quite legitimate, but they're not quite criminal because we, the good, decent, honest, clean, God-fearing citizens, need them and want them and use them and use their services. So that's why I have said that. That's why I've said that all spiritual practitioners are in the demimond. So does that mean? That means first and foremost, you must personally find your own balance. And you must find your own balance away from everyone else. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. What do you feel? Do you believe you're sinning? Do you believe you're going against God? Do you believe that you're doing the devil's work? If you do, get the fuck out of it. Why, why torture yourself? If you don't believe that, then, and you're practicing only for yourself and your loved ones, then go to privacy. If you're attempting to be a, if you're attempting to be a, a public practitioner, then you're going to, ha- and you're in a community that's going to harm you for being such, then you must try to operate outside of your community. In other words, you could offer, uh, you know, readings by mail or readings by the phone with people that don't live near you who are accepting of what you do. You have to operate on the sly. Just again, unfortunately, like the prostitute, the pimp, the drug pusher, the bootlegger, um, the bookie, etc. Even though you're not engaged in criminality, because to some extent you are engaged in cultural criminality in those people's minds. But first, set your own life in order, then go for privacy and be strong. Demand that people accept your privacy. And then my third and last piece of advice to you would be this. Sometimes you simply must be strong. Sometimes, I'm not suggesting you're weak, but sometimes you must simply you know, be ready to flip somebody the bird. Sometimes you simply must be ready to say, this is my path, this is what I'm doing, and if you don't like it, you can step off. I've had people question me before. I've had people tell me that I do witchcraft. They don't mean neo-paganism. I've had people tell me that I serve the devil. I've had people get in my face about this before. And what I have said to them and what I encourage you to say is anytime you want to come around to my house and pay my mortgage, pay my light bill, and put food in the pantry, please do so. Until then, you go do what you do. I go do what I do. I'm harming. I'm not harming you. I'm not doing anything. And if it results in a matter of true violence, they're like, we'll burn you out. Be gone before they have a chance to burn you out, if you have a chance. And if you don't have a chance, then resort to secrecy till you do have a chance. Protect thyself. Protect those you love. This is not worth dying over. All right? But in the end, Dennis, And in the end, to all those who may be listening to try to find a little wisdom about this topic, I say this to you. This is, as the Isley brothers said, your thing. This is your thing. So, baby, do your thing.
and the B-side of the 45 was move on. That's right. So he gets a full brownie because he gets half a brownie for the artist and he gets half a brownie for identifying the 45 that it came off. Okay. Oh, brother, I finally got one. Damn right. Oh, love, you know I used to listen to me through some Isaac Hayes. All right, so there you go. Candelo finally gets a brownie. And you know that when he was trying to get that brownie, Candelo, like all of us here at the LMC Radio Network, was just trying to send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network, in the vanguard! LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rural Power with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner with Candelo Cambisa and Michael Correll, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Let us all do this together with Troll now. Good Lord, I, I want to say something. I want everyone to know this. I know this to be true. I know this to be true. His own lovely wife, Miss Catherine Ironwood, will back me up on this. I want you to know that Troll Talhead, Grand Mufti of Satanism, is a natural man. He is a natural man, and that was done completely without the use of pharmaceuticals. That there was nothing, there was nothing else added in there. That is the man himself. That was the man himself doing it. He has that skill, and we salute you, Troll Talhead, for the breathless announcement of our shows here on the LMC Network each and every week. You know what time it is, boys and girls? Well, it's time that we had a few words from our ever-loving sponsor. So, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, your friend and mine, Count Goulash. October, children, and I have come out of the darkened crypt to speak to you once again about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Oh, yes. Did you know, my friends, that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? 
They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Who am I talking about? I am talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. You can go there if you dare in person. Bring your small, delicious children with you. They'll love to see the fantastic and award-winning train set and watch the trains as they go around and around and around and around and around, leading you deeper and deeper and deeper into hypnotic sleep until all that you can hear is the sound of my voice, the sound of my voice speaking to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. And after you've seen the trains, why not go over to the world's smallest church, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, and take a few moments of quiet meditation and prayer before walking inside the shop and browsing the aisles, seeing thousands of items from all around the world. That's right. Where? Why? At 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. But if you cannot get there on your own, do not be afraid, because you can find them online. Yes! Online at www.luckymojo.com and sit in the privacy of your own chamber with the smoke burning and the darkened shade and look through page after page after page of thousands of items that you can purchase online and have delivered quietly, privately to your own door. Where? At www.luckymojo.com And in the real world at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Tell them that Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> As always, I never know quite how to follow that. Um, you know, it's just, it's it's Vera Lynn singing the White Cliffs of Dover. I mean, there's just nothing that can... Uh, you know, you don't want to have the ad at the end of the show. You know what I'm saying? But because, you know, I want people... You, you need to have the ad near the middle of the show. And yet, we should end on that. That's it. Who can follow that? Up next, a little segment of the show called In the Kitchen. This week, we'll be revisiting an old friend of ours, Cinnamon. And as promised, as promised week before last when we did not have enough time to finish it, here is the unfinished song. Can anyone remember what it was? Moonlight warms the silver sand. I see. 
to evoke an image of being sweet, but also spicy hot. As an essential oil, cinnamon is one of the popular scents used to mask the smell of sex. When a prostitute must engage one client after another or is in a small space and also is used to mask the scent of sex and drugs in one's own home or rooms. Its strong and biting smell has been used to attempt to cover the scent of drugs, such as marijuana, not only when smoked, but also when processed and sold or delivered, sent through the mail, etc. This and the fact that its sharp, sweet smell has a reputation as being a love scent has made it a popular incense in the demimond. In fact, I, I, I challenge, I challenge you to go into any head shop anywhere in America that sells incense and find that cinnamon is not one of the sticks of incense, one of the incense scents that they offer in their little incense. In fact, you, you may often find that it is completely sold out often. Strangely enough, uh, you will also find in many head shops an incense that goes by the name of pussy uh, and there is an incense that says that its scent is pussy, and you often find it for sale in uh, biker shops and in head shops. And surprisingly, it also is often sold out. One can only assume that Donald Trump has been there before us. Cinnamon can be used in a number of different ways. It can be used to bring business and keep the law away. To keep the law away from and ensure a steady cash flow into a business that may be involved in the sporting life, or maybe you just don't want the law around, you would place a mixture of Irish moss, cinnamon powder, sugar, and law keep-away sachet powder under the entrance mat, the doormat, to the establishment in a five-spot pattern. Each morning, you would burn money-drawing incense and law-keep-away incense in the building, and once a week, you would dress the doorway of the premises with an equal parts mixture of money-drawing oil and law-keep-away oil. However, there are other ways that the cinnamon can be used. You can use it to clean out a gambling hall or a casino or a room where you might engage in gambling. To do this, you would this is also to help draw customers in and their money you would make a mixture of cinnamon cloves camphor wintergreen and money drawing incense and then burn the mixture over live charcoal you can also use it for an illegal business to draw customers to an illegal business or a business that is seen as being somewhat illegal or seen as being on the edge. Think about this, magical practitioners. Think about the fact that you're in the Debbie Mond. Think about the fact that you're in the sporting life, whether you like it or not. To do this, you would mix chopped up devil's shoestring, crushed dragon's blood resin, and oil of cinnamon, and burn it on charcoal. As it burns, you would carry it to each corner of the house or room and also the windows and doors. And I am telling you right now, 
that although traditionally this is for a quote-unquote illegal business, this works very well also for if you have a card reading parlor, you know, palm reading parlor, other place, a room where clients come in, that you're in the magical business. Devil's Shoestring helps keep that bad shit away. Dragon's Blood helps draw in that power. And Cinnamon helps draw in that money. Okay? So don't forget. Don't forget. Also, you can draw trade to a brothel, bar, or dance hall. We're getting a little more specific here. And to do this on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, get up before dawn without speaking to anyone. Without speaking to anyone. And mix red brick dust, oil of cinnamon, love me oil, and van van oil into nine buckets of water and scrub from the sidewalk towards the door to drive in, draw in those customers for that. Tonight's In the Kitchen segment wishes to thank the following individuals. First and foremost, and always here on the Now You Know Show, we want to thank Miss Catherine Ironwood for the use and inclusion of materials presented by her, collected by her, and created by her in the fantastic book, Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic. That's right, Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood. Thank you so much for your allowance of its inclusion in the show. Also, we want to thank her again as our friend and fellow traveler and good partner, along with the book, The Sporting Life. How to Help Yourself with Hoodoo from the Streets to the Sheets by myself and with the great help of my editor, again, Miss Catherine Ironwood. A fantastic, you may see, you all just know her as a, as a great root worker. You all just go, oh, Miss oh, Miss Cat. Miss Cat, she's a fantastic root worker. She a hoodoo woman. She knows what's for, and that's true. But let me tell you what you may not know. Miss Catherine Ironwood, one of the best damn editors out there. Now, she's probably not liking me saying this because she don't like people making much of her. But I'm telling you, it, I am an old typesetter, a writer, and a printer. Typesetter and printer from way back. And it's a joy to work with her as an editor and as a typesetter. She, she got that down. It does, I don't, I don't want to choke her. Like all the, no offense to all the rest of y'all, but all the rest of y'all don't care where a goddamn sentence ends on a page. You know what I'm saying? Like you have one word at the bottom of a paragraph, like paragraph is six sentences long, and the bottom paragraph, the word is, you know, like uh, 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 cats, dogs, da 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 dogs, and that's it, and you just leave dogs right there, right there. It's the only word. It's the only word on the line. You want malformation? You want, is that what you want, kids? You want malformation? This is how malformation starts. This is how malformation starts. Widows and orphans. Oh, yeah. That's how it starts. Widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. You may think I'm silly. You may think I don't know what I, I'm – I know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Well, what a show. What a show. What a very big, very big show we've had this evening. We have talked about all sorts of things. We talked about he who is not to be named, DJ Trump. We talked about UNESCO. We talked about 
Uh, on a happier note, we talked about Bob Dylan once again. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. Congratulations. Well-deserved. We had some fun. We had some tunes. Once again, I want to remind you, throughout this entire part of the year, we are doing the pontifications on your questions. I see you all here in the chat room. A lot of you, regulars, freedom to be in the know, Gia, uh, 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 Shalom, uh, Papa Newt. You know, I see you all. I see you all. We're doing the pontification on your questions. Is there anything you ever said, you know what I wish uh, Professor Porterfield would say? I wish Professor Porterfield would get up there and stick his goddamn neck out and talk a little bit about fill in the blank. Then, baby, write it down. Write it down in an email and send it to profporterfield at gmail.com. Dennis did. Troll did. Don't you want to be one of the gang? We don't have decoder rings yet. Otherwise, you'd get one. Write out those questions. Write out those topics about what you want to hear in the pontification and let us know. And I guarantee you, your topic, along with your name, if you wish, or if you don't, just say, hey, I want to be anonymous. We'll respect it. We'll be on the Now You Know show. It'll be preserved in history. It'll go into the archives decades from now. There'll be people going, oh, look, it's the old electronic network, not the light amplified gem crystal matrix that we use now. It's some sort of a, I believe they called it radio show. And even then, they'll hear your question. This is, this is your chance. This is your chance for your Warholian 15 minutes of fame, man. In fact, it's closer to an hour of fame. So send those questions. Send those pontifications in, and I will tell you what I think. I'll talk about them on the air. Also, we are starting to bid fond farewell to the Divination and You segment of the show. If there's a new segment that you feel needs to be there, I want to hear you talk about oils. I want to hear you talk about powders. I want to hear you talk about doing things. I, want, I need this. I need that. I, whatever. I want you to talk about uh, uh, what kind of shoes. What kind of shoes? As a hoodoo practitioner, what kind of shoes should I be wearing? We'll talk about a different kind of shoe. Every week, we'll start with sneakers, and we'll go all the way up to hip boots. We'll, we'll do it, man. So once again, send those in to profporterfield.gmail.com. Be a part of the show. It's your chance, baby. It's your chance. Well, we have had, as I said, a grand old time and a wonderful event with you all here. In the near future, um, I don't know the exact date. It, we're still working it out. I will be on Candelo's Corner. Uh, talking about the sporting life, which we talked a little bit about tonight. So be sure to tune in and check that out and check out uh, Candelo's Corner each and every Monday. Also, if you are having uh, a need for some sort of meditation, some sort of centering, you have prayers that you need answered, you need focus, you need the help of a league of people, perhaps a league of silent people, perhaps a league of silent people with crystals, why not tune in and listen to the Crystal Silence League each and every Tuesday as the Reverend Dr. John St. Germain will lead you in meditation and prayer to help you along with the aid of 
the Crystal Silence League. If you're as outraged as I am about the shit that's going on in this world, DJ Trump and all the rest of that bullshit, you need to be tuning in Tuesdays and listening to In the Streets with Beverly Smith. She was not with us this week. She's feeling a little under the weather. And we send out our well wishes to our friend Beverly's sister. I hope you're feeling well. You shake off that little cold soon. And you're back with us Wednesday. We have a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic new show with our own Madam Nadia from air and her partner her partner in crime her real life partner in life jaya and they're going to be talking about keeping you fit and foxy so if you're looking for a different kind of motivation than the crystal science league can offer you and something to help improve your glamour your confidence and your go-gettedness out there in life please tune in every wednesday and get a taste of what is fit and foxy Finally, also on Fridays, don't forget, don't forget, folks, the witch, the priestess, and the cauldron, two fantastic ladies with years, decades of experience in the topic matter. Our own Miss Elvira and Miss Phoenix from air are there to talk about paganism, neo-paganism, the circle and cycle of the year, and all those matters for those of you involved in that life, interested in that, and want to know more about it, check it out on Fridays. And coming back very soon, coming back very soon, our own Andrea Weston with Liquid Libations on Saturday. And you might sit now and go, holy smoke, Monday through Saturday, they've got the whole ball of wax. What a great What a great network. But wait, in the immortal words of Ron Popeil, there's more. That's right, because each and every Sunday, we have our flagship show. The show that started it all, talking about the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, the longest-running show on Hoodoo, Conjure, and Root Work in the cosmos with... Conjure Man Ali, the fantastic co-host Conjure Man Ali, also from air, our good friend and brother, and the incredible, the eminent, the encyclopedic Miss Catherine Ironwood. And each and every week they have a special guest on there talking about a different subject. They give out readings and free spells each and every week. Please, if you haven't checked it out yet, you are in you're lost man you've been living in a cave you've been living in a cave on mars so won't you please take a little time and check out the wonderful family of shows here on the lmc radio network well everyone's gone chet hudley took off in his uh 1965 corvette i don't even know how he keeps it running uh count goulash and his lovely bride, Miss Loretta, have left, no doubt to have some sort of argument about cream cheese. Well, into each marriage. Johnny uh, took off early this today. He left earlier this afternoon. Had a, He's uh, participating in a cat rescue exchange this weekend uh, in Flower Mound, and that's where they bring rescue cats so that people can adopt them. And he's hoping to have some of his kitties adopted into good homes. And Johnny, well wishes to you. We hope your cats all find nice and wonderful homes. So it's just me here, and I guess 
I guess this is it, man. Uh, turn out the old lights, except for the length of spotlights that light the hallway. Good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Oh, Steve. 